Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey guys, what's up? How you doing today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, and what y'all produces good fruits in your lives. Today we are at part 33 of the Kingdom Ambassador series. And ooh, cha, it's just gonna get hotter and hotter than fish grease, y'all. So y'all just hold on to your draws now, okay? Hold on to your draws because it's getting hot. Because today we are talking about kingdom revelation over church relationship. Ooh, did she say that? She showed did neck rolling all, okay? Yes, baby, we are getting into it. Because God is saying, I'm shaking things up and I need my children to wake up. I need my children who are called by my name to humble themselves and repent from the way you've been living, the way you think you've been doing church and get back to the original idea of what God had church be about all along, which was always about him before it was ever about relationship with people and building communities. It was always about him. And yet so many times we have seen generations now have seen that churches, small church organizations, organisms, as I like to call it in the body, have had their own um, situations going on. They've had their own little agendas going on that didn't reflect the church. And this is why you had a lot of people that even my generation, generations before me, that experienced church hurt. You experience people hurting you and dropping the ball because they never got a kingdom revelation. They only got a church relationship. Meaning, they only learned how to do church according to the rules and of the management of that church, basically. They didn't learn that there should be a one-to-one relationship with you and Jesus Christ. They didn't learn that God should go where, with you wherever you go, not just be here on Sunday morning. No, no, no. They didn't learn balance. They didn't learn how to talk to God themselves. They didn't learn how to go read the Bible themselves. They've only learned how to do church man's way and man's construct. I find it so interesting um, how many times we have seen in our world today, especially in the American world, I would say, because I don't know where you're listening to. I, I look at the statistics and I realize that this podcast ministry is worldwide. And I am so thankful and grateful for what God is doing through this ministry. So shout out to all of you that are in other places that are that is not North America. Thank you so much for your love and support. I really appreciate it. Um, and we're going to continue just reviving people. Honestly, reviving communities one person at a time is what we're about. And we're going to continue to push this message forward. And when I say we, that doesn't just mean me. That doesn't just mean my team. I'm talking about you that's listening to this. You are an agent of revival. You're going to go out and push the agenda of God's kingdom, not the agenda of Andrea. 
You're pushing the agenda of God's kingdom and teaching people how to really do this thing of discipleship in the right way. But y'all know I'm a little just, I told you, I'm, I'm, it's hot in here, baby. I'm, I'm excited. But let me slow it down. Like my spiritual life coach always tell me, let, let it slow cook for a minute, baby. Let it slow cook. So shout out to my girl, Latoya Okia. I'm going to slow this thing down. I'm going to say a prayer because I realized I didn't say a prayer yet. <laughs> and then we going to jump into this because I'm excited, y'all. For real. And and y'all know I'm off my birthday because my birthday was yesterday. Cha-cha, baby. Listen. Okay, listen. She now 36. She feeling herself a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm just kidding with y'all. But I, I am 36 years old. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see 36 years and so i'm gonna start with my prayer spirit living god just want to say thank you for allowing me to get to 36 for allowing me to be your servant god for allowing me to be something in this earth god for allowing me to be birthed at a time such as this father god i pray over all of my brothers and my sisters out there that are listening to this message because you know what each person is going through but you also know that just like me you created them no matter what age they are for such a time as this there is something that you want to do in their lives there is a kingdom assignment that is attached to them it has their name on it father god and for those that have not identified purpose heavenly father i pray that you help them to receive purpose to seek out purpose to realize and understand that there are gifts and talents you placed in them when they were being formed so delicately in their mother's womb you said yes at this date and this time i'm going to allow this to be birthed in your life and i want you to produce this in the earth and so father god help us all to step into the full manifestation of who you have created us to be heavenly father because we can read the manual aka the bible all day long god and still not get a revelation of our kingdom assignment heavenly father nor how this word interacts with or affects our life God and so I pray that those with ears will hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church through this message and this ministry Heavenly Father and also pray that those with eyes will read and see what your word has to say and not just see it with natural sight but that their spiritual eyes will be open enough to see the words what are you saying to the church Heavenly Father how do you want us to produce in this time Heavenly Father what do you want to show us God in this season Heavenly Father do what only you can do so that you can get the glory, honor, and praise, God. We give we give it all to you. We give thanks to you. We keep none for ourselves, Heavenly Father. And I also pray a covering, God, over any of my brothers and sisters that are like me going through a time where they lost a loved one, Heavenly Father. And so their hearts may be a little weakened. They may be mourning, Heavenly Father, right now. And so I pray, God, that you will comfort their heart because your word promises that you are close to the brokenhearted. You comfort those who mourn. And so, Father God, do what your word says. We, we release it back to you and count it all so. Count it all joy because we understand that you will give us beauty for ashes and even in in our lives God for those that didn't lose somebody but there is some ashes in their life there's some mess in their life man God a fire just went through their life whether it's a physical fire or a spiritual fire and it just destroyed everything that they had their hope into everything they were believing for everything that they were trying for everything that they thought their life would be and it's not father God but we know that you can take ashes and make it beautiful you can resurrect the dead thing. You can say to these dry bones, live and breathe in it. And it shall be 
because you spoke it. And so, Father God, we understand that your word will not return to you void. And so if we are still here today, not only receiving this revelation from you, but also breathing, existing, we woke up today. That means that there is a word over our lives and it cannot return void. So, Father God, help us all to tap into, understand and and get clear revelation, get clarity on what that word is that was released over our lives before you formed us in our mother's womb. What is it, Lord, that you want us to do in this earth and help us to do it, to be it, to have dominion in it, be fruitful and multiply in it so that you will be glorified. We give you glory, honor, praise. We keep none for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says what y'all? Amen. All right. So kingdom revelation over church relationship, baby. I'm excited about this word because it is coming off of. Ooh, just it it's a word I taught before. And so y'all gotta go listen to the, the episode where I taught on um what's not transferred becomes excuse me, what's not transformed becomes transferred. I even did a YouTube video on that because it was just so stinking good. So you guys go check out both the episode and the YouTube video that I did on that message. Um and I was having a conversation with God about this this morning. Um, which is why that topic came back up of what's not transformed becomes transferred because we kind of see that in the church today. We see that um, things, traditions that they that we hear about in the church were things that were passed down from a previous generation. And because they implemented it at that time, for whatever reason, it's been passed down onto us. Nobody questions it. Nobody asks, is this the right way or wrong way of doing it? We just do it. And nobody stops to say why. And so I did. <laughs> I'll be quite honest with y'all. I sure enough did. I remember um, I told you guys before. So I'm not going to go fully into this vision. But um, when the Lord first called me, um, I don't know if my body was here or not. If it was just the, uh, you know, my mind. I have no idea. You got to take that with God. But I just know I, um, I was with Jesus in heaven and. It's kind of hard to say if it was actual a vision because I, I felt literally everything that was going on. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like the way Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where it's like you were called up to the third heaven, but you don't know if your body was here. Who knows? But anyway, <laughs> um, in, in this, I'll, I'll call it a vision for people that, you know, just needed to be called something. Um, Jesus called me and gave me my marching orders. He gave me my purpose. And... And in that purpose, that mission, that goal that he gave me, um, you know, before he even revealed it to me, the revelation part of it to me, I remember we had a like a banter going back and forth. And I would love to say it was playful, y'all, but it wasn't <laughs> because as I talked about and I wrote about it as well on my previous blog that I have. And whenever God says I release this book, it'll probably be in that book. Um, but, uh, I, I remember when I encountered Jesus, I didn't have the revelation 
just yet that it was Jesus. But there was still something there. Because I and I go over this vision so many times with God because I'm like, how did I know that? Like I go back to my original writing back in back on, excuse me, April 25th, 2017. And I'm like, God, how did I know how did I not know it was you, Jesus? But at the same time knew that these were disciples. Like I talked before on this podcast about like in that particular experience, I'm in the uh, a golden temple and it's I mean it's bright light everywhere. It's it's, you know, I'm seeing people praying and and worshiping this um, and fellowshipping um, in, in the presence of this uh, this pastor, this king on a throne. And he's surrounded by disciples. I don't know how I knew it was disciples. Only thing I can say from my construct now of what the Holy Spirit has revealed to me is it was the Holy Spirit revealing it to me. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, wow. Like, OK, God. So the Holy Spirit revealed to me at the time that it was disciples, but it still was never revealed to me who I was talking to because I taught before on, um, how, um, when I say talk, that mean I brought it up. I even broke it down. So, you know, follow along guys. Um, but I said, you know, uh, a pastor that I knew and my godparents, rest in peace to my godmother, who is actually now in heaven at the time I was just seeing my godparents um in heaven though they were still alive but now one of them is now deceased and she is in heaven so i know she's having an amazing time back in that temple that um i i saw her in but anywho um and the king which is jesus starts talking to me and he asks me some questions and it infuriates me i'm very very honest about that like i was so frustrated that he asked me um why am i so timid and it was just like, what? Because that was the question. Like, again, it was a banter back and forth until we got to that question of why are you so timid? And and I said, oh, no. Uh-uh. And I went off on Jesus, y'all. And it's interesting because the words that I spoke to Jesus, um, I realized, I'm like, why did I say those words, God? Again, God doesn't waste words. And so this is why we have to be very um, diligent for us not to waste words. Because at our end days, we have to give an account to every word we released. And so in the sense, in that moment, I'm like giving an account to the words I'm releasing. But it was also in my heart. And so I remember saying to God um, at another time out, outside of this vision, like, God, um, why did Peter, for example, because that's how I feel like Peter, why did Peter respond in the way he did after you did the miracle of the fish? Like, if you go read your scripture, Peter falls down on his knees and he responds and says, I'm such a sinful man. What would make a person say that? Like, out of everything else you can say to Jesus, you say that. Even before he gets to that point when he tells um, Jesus, like, man, we've been fishing all day and ain't caught nothing. But if you say so, we'll try again. Like, again, what would make a person respond? And so I was asking God, like, God, why did I respond to you in the way that I responded to you? And what basically was uh, revealed to me was like, it's the, what was the condition of your heart? And so in that vision, I remember saying to God, how I just went down my credentials. Basically, I said, I'm a Christian woman. I'm educated uh, with a college degree. And yet 
Um, how can you just throw somebody away? I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the full paragraph, lengthy paragraph of what I spoke in front of me. But I know these words I did speak. I said, I'm a Christian woman. I'm educated with a college degree. How can you just throw somebody away um, just because they ask questions? Do you not tell a boy about how his body works if he asks you how his body works? And so why are we not asked to, um, why are we not encouraged to ask questions in the church um and 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 not told um how to um read our bible only if you are the one teaching it and us reading it and again i went over to god and i was like god now this is of course since that time i've asked god consistently god why did i say those words like it doesn't even make sense of why i would respond in that way there's so many other things that i could think of right now that it's like why didn't i say this why didn't i say that i should have said that i should have said that i mean we all have those moments where you like i should have could have would have wish i would have said that but that didn't come out and you know why because the truth of your heart will always um echo out loudest when you're standing in front of truth Ooh, i'm gonna say it again the truth of your heart will always echo out louder when you're standing in front of truth standing in front of truth which is jesus we learn it in the bible you have no realm no way to lie i mean even if you go read um the gospels matthew mark luke and john many times when jesus encountered people who were filled with demonic spirits and they were always very honest they couldn't lie if they tried even when it came down to there was a good time where Jesus encounters a demon-filled person and they're like, oh, I know who you are, Jesus, son of God. And he rebukes them from speaking anymore because it wasn't his time to be revealed yet to everybody that he's the Messiah. But again, even in, in that moment with, with standing in front of Satan's demons, the demons couldn't lie. Even, even though Jesus was saying, be quiet. They, he had to rebuke them, be rebuke them to be quiet and then remove the spirit from them because they could not speak anymore. Because again, when you're standing in front of truth, you can't lie. The, what echoes out of you is the condition of your heart. And so that's why when we see Peter in the Bible, he talks about, I'm a sinful man. When we see even with prophet Isaiah, he talks about how filthy his mouth was. And so Jesus had to, at that time, or as just described as the Lord, had to take a coal and refine, like burn his lips to refine his mouth so that the filthiness is burned out and the cleanliness, the pure purity is, um, is what comes out instead. Um, but anyway, so I said to God, like, okay, God, why did I say these words to you? And it's because... The condition of my heart has been somebody who loves the church. That's that's why you guys hear me talk about the church a lot. I'm never going to tell you there's no point in the church. I would never say that. That's blasphemy. I love the church. The church made me who I am today. It implanted in me so many beautiful memories that I want to see come back. I want to see communities rebuilt. I want to see communities restored. Not and, and I know that that means people restored and then they go out and build community. But when I think back on my childhood, my upbringing, it was beautiful growing up in the church. The church felt like my second or third family. It, there was no separation. 
We did everything together. If I had a sleepover or a birthday party, the church family was there. If I had a cookout or my grandparents had a cookout, my great-grand had a cookout, the church family was there. The pastor of the church was even there. Yes, the pastor used to fellowship with us quite often. There, I, I never felt like I couldn't go to the pastors growing up. I never felt like I had to go through secretaries and assistants and all this stuff and, and security just to get to the pastor. No, I remember memories of me even sitting down at the table with the pastor sharing meals together and just talking about whatever. Because it was that open door policy that said, even though I'm a pastor, I'm no more important than you. And so I, I miss what was the church, but we have to be careful when we're looking at the traditions of church and we're trying to bring it into the new thing that God wants to do of kingdom revelation. Part of the kingdom revelation is bringing back um, in a way it's not going to be exactly because God does a new thing, but bringing back that community building effort that was initially the church and we're going to take a look at that in a few scriptures today but god is saying there's so many people in today's time where you are so focused on doing the relationship of church you are so focused in building the religious portion of church that says you have to dress this way you have to do it this way you have to show up this way you have to sing these tunes you have to look like this you have to sound like this you have to walk and talk and act and think just like this you have to be another clone of what has been and and God is saying and as he said through Isaiah in chapter 43 see I'm doing a new thing do you not perceive it or do you not see it in order for us to see the new thing that God needs to do, we got to let go of the old. That's not to say that we throw away everything that was the past. No, there are a few things, not many, <laughs> but there are a few things that God says I need to bring that forward. This idea of the modern day church where people say, I'm going to just do church by myself in my own home and, and I just watch it online and that's it. You're not really being a part of the church. You are isolating yourself. Now, that's not to say that there aren't seasons and times where God isolates us to develop us. Now, if you're in a season of isolation where God is developing you, that's different. But even in your development stage, he's never going to fully isolate you from everybody and you have no connection with nobody. There will always be a remnant around. If you look at the um, book of Ruth, when... Naomi was going through her situation. There was somebody around. Even though everybody else died, there was still Ruth there. God will never take you through a refining process, a, a transformation uh, season or a tunnel transformation without letting somebody be there that can minister to you, that can mentor you, that can encourage you, that can empower you, that can strengthen you. When I went through my Joe Wilderness season, while so many, I used to have a lot of friends, y'all. So many friends fell off, but I still had one. And uh, I had one that was solid and I had one that was floppy who eventually did fall off. <laughs> but but um, up until it was just the one, it was two. And then that person eventually fell off and it just became the one. And, and that was it. It was just me and that one. But that one was the person who prayed me through. That one was the person who encouraged me. That one was the person who 
um, supported me. That one was the person who um, would make me laugh and, and just bring a smile to my face. That one was there. So God will always have somebody around because he builds us in community. Now that community could be another person. Because his word says in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered, he's there amongst us. So it doesn't necessarily be a community of a of a bunch of people. It could just be a community of one and you communing with somebody else. But God will always have one around while you're being worked on through the refining process. And when you come out that refining process, you're not meant to get the revelation of kingdom, the revelation of what God was doing in your life, the revelation of your, your healing and your transformation, and then say, okay, I'm going to keep it in this box over here with just me, myself, and I. No, that's culture. God says, I need you to then go out and make other disciples. That means sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ, Sharing with them what God did in your life and then helping them become transformed as well. But it's not meant for you to just be by yourself. And so, yeah, there are seasons and times where God will transform you in a season of isolation with just one or two people that's around. But then um, God says, I want to do something new that's going to involve many people that will serve a purpose for multiple generations to come. But we have to be willing to divorce some things that has been church, to divorce some things that have just been our relationship. There are many people today who you would never know is a Christian unless they tell you. Why? Because there's no fruit. And I talk about being a fruit inspector. There's no fruit. There is no salt and light that, that shines Jesus in anything they do. And the way that they speak, it always sounds like culture. It always sounds like Satan's kingdom. One minute they gossiping and talk about somebody. Next minute they want to say praise the Lord. Which one is it? One minute they're mean and nasty to you and don't ever apologize to you. But then they want to talk about Jesus and, and how God is good. I, I'm sorry, you are hot and cold. One minute you in, next minute you out. Which one are you? And so I even have scripture to back it up, guys, because y'all know I don't I can't bring y'all nothing without scripture. I'm like, Jesus, now I need a word like you gave me a word, but then I need another word to get a paper now because I know they're going to be like, is that bad? Black hole? Yeah, child, it is because that's another thing with me. Like, I'm sick and tired of hearing a lot of pastors um, who have that title. Now, I'm not going to say whether God gave them that title or man gave them that title. That's not for me to say. But I will say there are a lot of pastors or church leaders that could be evangelists, that could be prophet, that could be uh, an apostle um, or even a deacon. There are a lot of um, church leaders who have a lot of opinions that they say is kingdom revelation, meaning it comes from God. But it's not. It comes from you. For example, and I talked about this before um, privately between me and my spiritual mentor and then several other people. I can't remember who right now. But anyway, that's not important. <laughs> um, what is important is I remember having um, several conversations with different people about the modern day uh, Christian music. You know, the, the modern day contemporary um, Christian or gospel music. And I've heard a lot of people, a lot of different church leaders, as well as a lot of different laity, meaning members of the, the church, the body, um, who comment on the new 
wave of music that's coming out from um christians from young christians oh this don't sound like i need old school gospel music i need it to sound like this i need the music where you gotta be in church robes i miss this and and and, and this is just some young people as well that say that like i'm not even talking about people that's 60 and over i'm talking about this is people that's like 40 45 and under that that have this same mentality where they're like, oh no, church music is supposed to be like Mahalia Jackson type of music. Now, if you don't know who Mahalia Jackson is, go Google it, baby. <laughs> but they looking for for music to be like that. These these old gospel hymnals, um, that they that they may have sang back in the late eighteen hundreds and seventeen hundreds, and they or early nineteen hundreds, and they like, I I don't like this new stuff. This new stuff ain't church, and this new stuff ain't Jesus, and what? And how do you know? I find it so interesting that many people who complain about the new day and age music don't listen to it. You haven't even given it a try. You just say, oh, well, the sound don't sound like the old organ playing in the background. And so, since it don't sound like that, then it ain't worshiping Jesus. Since it ain't, you know, this this long, drawn-out um, Latin music. And I don't mean Latin America. I mean, like, the language Latin music. Um, and these high-pitched sopranos singing in this... Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, how, how how do we stand like in, in the old school Catholic church? Like, because it ain't that, then you're like, oh, it, that ain't Jesus. You ain't worshiping Jesus. It ain't church music. And I find it so intriguing that, again, these people say this, and yet there are people being saved off of the same music that you're scolding. The same music that you're saying shouldn't be in your church. And yet it's saving people's lives. Is bringing people to Jesus because of the sound, because of um, the flow, because of the poetic flow that the artist provided. People are getting saved by it. And so what you're judging that can't be God is the very thing that God's using to draw people in. We got to wake up to kingdom revelation that says God is doing a new thing. It's not going to look exactly like the past. It's not going to sound exactly like the past. It's very interesting that some of these same old people, old, you know, old-minded people, excuse me, not old people, but old-minded people who have a relationship to church um, and the way church has been traditionally, um, they now love Kirk Franklin. But when Kirk Franklin first came out, you scolded Kirk Franklin because he was too secular. He was too modern. That didn't sound like church. And yet many people now have the testimony from Kirk Franklin's revolution song and stump song and, and so many others that that's what made them come back to the church. That's what made them get their relationship right with Jesus Christ. That's what made them go buy a Bible because of that very same music. We cannot expect to reach the world if we stay stuck in our box. We cannot expect the world to be transformed if we stay stuck in tradition that says you got to come to the building because there are many lost souls lost sheep in the world that will not come to the building and so can they see salt and light in your life when you exit out the building as you walk into your car as you drive into the restaurant as you go back and forth to work monday through friday 
as you're hanging out with your family on Saturday or your friends on Saturday, can they see Jesus in you there? That's why I said earlier, there are a lot of people who um, call themselves Christians and don't look like it. Nobody would know unless you told them or unless they saw a bumper sticker that says something about Jesus or they saw you wearing a cross. Other than that, they have no idea because you do not look like salt and light in the earth. You don't sound like salt. You're not flavorful in the way you speak that points people back to Jesus. And I don't mean just rule disclaimer. I'm not talking about people who, um, cause when I say people should hear Jesus through your conversation, let me give an example and a disclaimer. That does not mean that you Bible thumped them to death. Okay. That does not mean you take your Bible and be weird and constantly reading them a thousand scriptures and whatnot. You see most of the times guys. You know, whether you do the, why you whether you watch me on the video on my YouTube channel at Andre Griffin Rogers or you're listening on the podcast. There are sometimes, many times actually, where I don't even get to tell you a scripture. I just give you a word and I'll give you a story. Why? Because that's how some people learn. Jesus said that when the the disciples, excuse me, asked him, "Why do you teach in parables?" And he said, "Because you have the privilege to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying." But there are others who don't. And so they learn through storytelling. That's how they'll retain the information based on the story. And so a lot of times when I'm speaking, as Jesus told me to teach it anyway, in this form, I teach in the form of a story. As you guys have seen, I haven't gotten to scripture yet. (laughs) I want to get to scripture, but I haven't gotten to scripture yet. But I'm sharing with you just a story. Yes, at one time. The church operated in one way and it grew certain relationships up to a point. I am a product of the traditional church. It grew me to a point, but there also came a time and appointed time where it stopped growing me and I had to leave the building. I had to leave the tradition. I had to leave the processes that says I have to be in relationship with this and it has to stay the same. I had to decide I got to divorce this because this relationship is no longer working for me. I'm no longer growing in this area. I'm no longer growing in this arena of church as usual. I This was back in 2009. I went to several different um, masses and, and church organizations and whatever and it was the same thing it, it I was not growing why because I've learned all I could to a point and so church traditional church has been a great foundation to build upon for people that birth children it's a great foundation to bring your kids up in um in that arena because you can surround yourself with other Christian moms and dads and, and build that Christian community with your kids and with the parents. But there comes a point in time in all of our lives where we got to decide, I want relationship with the father more. I want some kingdom revelation. I want to be able to not just read my Bible as words on a page, but actually I want these words to come to life for me. I want to understand. I want to meet this Jesus that I read about all the time. That I hear people talk about all the time. I need to know who Jesus is for myself. And that's what it took for me. In 2009, I got to the point where I said, 
I need to meet this Jesus that I hear everybody talking about. This Holy Spirit that I see everybody claiming to be filled with but me. As I felt like at that time. I need to know who the Holy Spirit is for myself. I need to know who Jesus is for myself. And you know what I did, y'all? I hear, my, I hear somebody saying, what? <laughs> I went on a deep dive. I made it my business. Oh, yeah. I became so intentional and disciplined in it that I said, God, I will not be moved until you reveal yourself to me. Until you let me know who you are for your, for myself. I don't want to just keep hearing about everybody else's experience with you. I want to know my own experience with you. I want to know who you really are. Are you really real? Like, I know I read this Bible. And so I believe, you know, in some aspect that is there. There's there's some revelation there that this has to be real because it keeps drawing me back. But it, this thing to become real, real to me, like for real, for real. Okay. So it was like, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. And that leads me up to the encounter with God in heaven where Jesus revealed himself to me. But it was in, in a conversation. I had to grow into that thing but part of that conversation was how hungry are you to keep asking the questions how hungry are you to keep having the conversation how hungry are you to keep standing here and keep digging and digging and digging until you got the revelation there are many people who will pick up their bible and because of their church relationship, it's only when the pastor says, read it. It's only during Bible study. It's only during a prayer meeting. And you read whatever passage is being read and that's it. And you put your Bible back down and it collects dust. And so the next time you're ready to pick it up, when a pastor or somebody of leadership says, now let's turn to our Bibles to page this. There are many people that do not know there are 66 books in the Bible. In, in, in most Hebrew Bibles, not the Catholic canon, because there's more um, books in the Catholic canon. But there are 66 books in the Bible. Most people do not know that. Most people don't know. If I was to throw out a name, you wouldn't even know that that's the person in the Bible. Some, some people, you wouldn't even know that they actually have a Bible book. Like Job. Like Ruth. Like Naomi. Like um, Habakkuk. And on and on and on. I could throw out so many names. That most people have no idea. Exist in the Bible. And you know what that says. Honestly the saddest part of it. Is your missing kingdom revelation. Because those people for example. That I just threw out. Have amazing stories. Have amazing triumphs. Have amazing experiences with God and how good God was in their life they have some lessons to teach that we can glean from but if you don't open your book for yourself and read it for yourself if you don't go to the father for yourself and ask the questions for yourself and be diligent don't just pray to God y'all don't don't just pray one time and then say all right well I'm gonna just wait Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door is open to them. That's in Matthew. I think it's Matthew either 6 or 7. God wants you to keep on knocking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. He's there. But it's not about, it's not about God proving himself to us. That's why Jesus talked before 
um, in the gospels, he would say these sinful people keep asking for miracles. It's not about, you know, God performs something and then I believe. No, you got to believe first. And then God will move in your life. But it's not an immediate of what well, I believe. Okay, God, now move. Snap. Come on, genie, move. God, God's not a genie. God says, I want relationship with you. You got a relationship with the church. Uh-huh. And so you do all the traditional protocols of church. You on every committee. You show up to everything. You do this. You do that. You show up on Sunday morning faithfully. And God says, but what about me? I did a video um, not too long ago where I talked about how, um, you know, I had an experience with somebody who was a Christian. Well, is a Christian rather. And then at the time, um, this is when I first, um, I'll just say I was going through a hard time. Uh, and in recent, recent times, I was going through a hard time. And, um, and I wanted prayer from that person. But that person was so busy that they were like, um, oh, I got to go. I got to, um, I got to meet, meet, uh, at the church for prayer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> come again. I'm laughing. You can laugh with me, child. Uh, come again. You can't stop to pray for me in this moment that I'm calling on you to pray for me because you got to go to the church building to have prayer with the church. Make that make sense. <laughs> I'm wait. <laughs> make that make sense. But this is how many people look in the church. You don't have time for the things that are of God. That's standing right in your face. That calls your phone. You don't have time or make time for the things that are of God. The kingdom. You don't take time to even allow God excuse me, to reveal himself to you in a different way. That's not the church building. That's not the church traditional way because you so focus on your relationship with the church. And so could it be, dare I say this respectfully, as respectfully as you could say something like this. Could it be that many people have made the church organizations their idol? Ooh, did she just say that? Yeah. Could it be that you have made your relationship with the tradition of church, your idol? And so you have made, you have put God in the box of it has to be this way. It has to be this traditional way and God can't move in another way. And so this is why, for example, you question God moving in a different way with through a different sound of the new generation music. That's Christian music. I could tell you right now for those out there that this message is hitting home to. I don't I speak what God told me to speak that. And if you feel a prick in your heart, it's a conviction, not a condemnation, because there's no shame, guilt or condemnation in Christ Jesus. But he will convict your heart to get certain things right. I can tell you that there are people who are new believers in faith that are drawn to this ministry that um god has allowed me to um meet them in person and one of the ways that keeps them continuing to seek deeper with the father i mean one person in particular even reached out to me and said hey i finally want to buy a bible now and um and i've been working with this person for the past year and they finally got to the point where they said i want my own bible 
So can you help me pick out the right Bible? But before I got there, I would just minister to that person in various capacities, whether it be just hanging out with that person, just counseling that person, just listening to that person speak, um, just giving them that person information or I would just send them some of the new Christian music that I listen to. And you know what one of, the, one of the people said to me? They said, thank you so much. Because I'm so used to listening to the hip hop. And that, that trashy music that really just makes me want to sin. And makes me want to go backwards. And, and just really makes my spirit just, you know, kind of like frustrated or angry or lustful or whatever. They were like, you know, it, they, they, their words was the music I listen to is garbage. But I'm so thankful because the Christian music that, that you send me that kind of sound like hip hop, but it's not because it's talking about Jesus and it's, it's quoting scriptures and whatnot. Like it makes me feel good. It it, it sound like Afro beats and and, you know, cause I, cause I send different stuff. And they were like, yeah, it kind of sound like African stuff, but like the like the islands or you know reggae or something. But it'd be so good, like, and and I just feel good when I listen to that. And it make me want to pray. It make me want to you know just draw closer to Jesus. You want to know why? Because they are experiencing a kingdom revelation that God says, "Bingo, I want a relationship with you." And so I want to come into your home. I want to come into your heart. I want to come into your car. I want to come into the music you listen to. I want to come into the conversations you're having. I want to come into the things you're consuming. I want to come into the things you're watching. I want to come into the things you're reading. This is how we build the real church of God's kingdom. It's not built in bricks and stones and mortar. It's built in community with people. But we got to do it the right way. We got to operate in love. Love them where they are. There are many um, people drawn to this ministry that um, are not um, or, or have not been devout Christians. Maybe even in their childhood, they might have been to the church one time. But yet they're drawn to my ministry. And I thank God, I'm not, this is not ego. I'm thanking God that he helped me to heal the areas of my heart that I needed to address and heal. But that also he gives me consistent patience and, and, and strategy, tact on how to minister to these people. Because a lot of times with us growing up in traditional relationship circles of the church, and I could be honest about this in my own self. We feel like they should just know. If I say a scripture out to you, you should know what that is. I mean, it's a common scripture. If I um, bring you to the church, you should already know. If I bring you to the building, meaning you should already know the protocol. Like everybody know the protocol. But if somebody has never stepped foot in the church, they don't know your protocols. They don't know your traditions. They don't know where and where not to sit. What aisle to walk down and what aisle not to walk down. What you can um, do in the in the sanctuary and what you can't do. They don't know these things. And a lot of this stuff is man-made rules. There's nothing in the Bible that says you cannot drink water, for example, in, in the presence of God. As we say that the church is like, oh, when you come to the church building, you're in the presence of God. There's nothing in the Bible that says you cannot drink water. He is the living water. 
Remember that he met the Samaritan woman at the well pulling up water to drink. <laughs> so how how do you have this rule in your church organizations that says you can't drink that in here? You can't sit over there. You can't stand right there. You, you can't dress that way. Jesus says, come to me as you are. Come to me weary with your heavy burdens. Come to me the way you're dressed because I will give you new garments of praise. Come to me as children. That means even if you are in a cranky state, even if you don't look the way, even if you got a little dirty like kids do from running and playing around, God says, I still come because I'm going to give you new garments anyway. I'm going to completely reclothe you so you can still come. Because I'm going to pour something new into you and remove the old. Because you can't pour new wine in the old wineskins. But he says, if you come to me in your old garments, I will remove the old garments and give you new garments of praise. But so many times we see in the church these rules that keep people out the church. I told you guys before, if you've never seen the movie, please go watch it. It's so powerful of the Jesus Revolution movie. But there's a part in the scene um, where Lonnie um, says to, and it's like right at the very beginning. I want to say maybe like the first 20 or 30 minutes. Um, so you can't miss it. Where um, Lonnie says to Chuck, uh, the, the, the um, character Chuck, he says, um... You say we people, you know, you call these people my people because we're hippies, you know, and, and to set the scene once again, for those that have never seen the movie, don't know what I'm talking about or didn't hear those episodes where I talked about it in the scene, you have a traditional person in the church. He's a church leader, traditional person. He dressed the part, looks the part, talks the part, all of that. Um, you know, his wife, everything, they all look the same. And so his daughter who is kind of wavering between and in a good way. Like she respects the traditional, but she's like, God, I mean, not God, um, dad, you know, I think God's doing something new and we have to like get, get in on this and, and not just keep looking at these hippies. Cause it's based in the 1960s and seventies of this movie. We can't just looking at these hippies as they're just a lost soul. And, and we're not meant to go after them. Like didn't Jesus go after the lost sheep? Doesn't heaven rejoice after the, the one that comes back, the lost one that returns? And so the, the dad says, oh, no, you know, the, the church is like this. And, you know, we have our religious traditions and it must be like this. And blah, 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 blah. And then he says, well, you know what? Uh, I think the daughter's name is Kate. Well, you know what, Kate? If God wants me to talk to a hippie, those filthy hippies, if God wants me to talk to a filthy hippie, then he'll bring the filthy hippie right to my doorstep and, and, and be sitting at my coffee table. Well, <laughs> God has a funny, <laughs> uh, um, God has a funny bone because that's exactly how God moved. And, and I say that because of, of a funny bone, because I have seen and heard many stories like that where people who were um, skeptical of how God can move in a certain way and he moved exactly just like that. And so, um, and so she meets Lonnie, who is this hippie. And I can't remember Lonnie's last name. I think it might be Lonnie Frisbee. Um, but these, these are real people that, that this movie is based on. So you can go Google these names. Chuck Smith is the person I just talked about, the traditional. And then I think his name was Lonnie Frisbee, who's like considered the hippie. And so she's driving past and she sees Lonnie 
um hitchhiking basically and she stops and says hey you uh where are you going like do you need a ride or something and he's like sure thanks and he get in the car and the back of his coat says jesus so it lets it know very very clear who he believes in and so she's like oh my gosh and they just start having a brief conversation um about jesus and she's like oh man you really got to meet my dad and and lonnie says okay cool so lonnie goes back to the house and he's sitting at the coffee table and so the dad chuck smith comes down for his morning coffee and he's like startled as to who is this hippie and if you've never seen a hippie please google it they you, you were very it was very clear of who the hippies were and so he was dressed the hippie part basically Lonnie and so he says who who what are you doing in my house who is this and and so the daughter says hey dad you said if God wanted you to talk to a hippie and change your perspective of how church should be done here's the hippie and so you know the dad says oh I really didn't mean it and so she's like well are you going to like go against God on this and so he says, fine, I'll sit down and talk to this young man. And you see this traditional person who, who only has a relationship with the church in the way it's been, the traditional, the traditionalist, I'll call him. You see him sit down with Lonnie and his heart begins to soften. And you get to see tears well in his eyes as he realizes, wow, man, I've had it so long. I thought I was so much better than you. And I thought that I had a relationship with Jesus because of my traditional, my traditionalists and the way church is and my relationship with the church. And here you are with a kingdom revelation that I have never even experienced before. And so he welcomes Lonnie to teach to his church. But before we get to that part, excuse me, what Lonnie says to him that really transformed and shook him and even his wife to the core. He said, you call us these hippies and you call us, um, you know, you call them my people. Um, but they're really God's people. He said, but the problem is, is that they, you look at them on drugs and the way they wear their hair and their clothes and, um, and the type of music they listen to. He said, but you don't realize that they're all looking for the same thing you're looking for. They're looking for purpose they're looking for love it's just in all the wrong places but how can they know where to go of the right place if all your church doors are closed if all your church doors are closed to them then they have nowhere else to go and so they seek it out in the drugs in the streets in the world around them doesn't that sound like today y'all like, let's be honest here. Like, let, I'm, you know, I don't normally I wrap it up around this time, but I feel like God's just saying, keep going. Like, let's have an honest conversation about this thing, y'all. Doesn't that look like our church today? I was just driving past the church the other day at um, uh, like 7, 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. The church was completely closed. Doors locked. Yet, do you know what else I saw? I saw a homeless person sitting in front of the doors of the church just laying there for a place to sleep wow how sad it was that that person couldn't go inside the church and get not only a place to sleep but because the church has a kitchen and bathroom they can actually go to the bathroom maybe clean themselves up maybe get some food actually have you sit down and minister to them and not like i said heat them up beat them, up, beat them over the head with the bible but just talk to them just like Chuck and Lonnie did coffee at the table and just talked. And that's what, you know, Chuck, Chuck did with Lonnie he said, okay, 
well, you know, let me, let me hear something like, you know, what are you about? And they just started talking. We can disciple more people with a conversation than we can with throwing Bibles at their head. I've seen my ministry grow personally, not, not just with all of you out there. And I, again, I thank you for your support and your love. And I pray that all of the messages that I release will fall on good, good ground, produce good fruit in your life. But some other people that I'm able to, to commune with one-on-one. And eventually I hope that I'll be able to reach out to all of you guys one-on-one or at least in a, you know, a small group or something. But the people that I've been able to minister to and reach one-on-one, I've seen transformations in their life because they've been consistent and keeping the conversation going. Because again, with Bible thumping or, or you know, hit them up, hit them up the head with the Bible, you can minister to them in that moment and they might listen to the Bible just like we see on Sunday morning. They might hear the word, but just like the parable of the scattered seeds. But then they go out and they're hit with the real world. And so the very word that was released in the building gets snatched away. But my, 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 how much more we can do if we have an ongoing conversation with people. If we really do like Galatians 6 and 3 says, where we share in each other's burdens, where we really commune with people, where we really build with them, have conversations, hang out, go to brunch or coffee or whatever. Really see people through the problems and processes of life. That's kingdom revelation. That's how we do things in God's way. We build up the people. Not just releasing the word. Because releasing the word will get people excited. We see that in Acts chapter 2, which I'll get to in one second. Where when Peter released the word after he received the Holy Spirit and the rest of the disciples received the Holy Spirit, when he released the word, over 3,000 joined the church. They were very happy. But what kept them staying is what happened after that. It wasn't about, okay, we all got to stay at this building, this place, this area, this region, this landmark that you received the word at. No, it was about going out. That's why Jesus told us in the Great Commission, of our anchor text of Matthew 28 verse 18 through 20 go out and make disciples teaching them the good news of Jesus Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit but it was about going out into the nations all over the world into the communities all over the world or in your region in your family go out don't just let it be you by yourself. Don't, don't just let it be what it has been traditionally of we only be in this church building. And that's the only relationship that you have is with the church folk there at the building. Because there are many people that will walk by the building and will never step foot into the building. And how many of those lost souls will continue to stay lost because we stay stuck in our buildings? Jesus says where two or three are gathered in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered, I am there among you. So I can gather with you in the car. I can gather with you over the phone. I can gather with you over Zoom. I can gather with you at the amusement park. I can gather with you at the at the national parks. I can gather with you at the tea house. I can gather with you at the coffee shop. I can gather with you at 
the bowling alley. I can gather with you wherever you go. Because if we, if I'm representing Jesus and I'm bringing Jesus with me. And I'm the salt and light of Jesus here. And you represent Jesus and you bring the salt and light of Jesus there. Then Jesus is among us. Because we come together. We got to get out the construct of church needs to be traditionally as it has been of a building. Because God is doing a new thing. We have seen in the year of 2023 revival spark out all over America. And they were not in church buildings. They were on college campuses. I saw some of them on street corners. I saw some of them um, in on, on valleys and hilltops. I've seen some of them in people's homes. Because that's that was the original design of the church. It was about building a community of believers where you were and then going out wherever you step your foot to build more believers. It wasn't about bringing them to the building. It wasn't about they got to sound like this. They got to look like this. They got to dress like this. They got to talk like this. Let them come as they are as children to Jesus. And then as a parent does with their child, he will dress them in the garments that they need to be dressed in. But we got to receive them as they are. I gave before the example when I was a teenager of me seeing a horrendous situation in church where a stripper came to the church. And the very best that she had on was this tube dress um, and these plat I mean, super, super high platform heels. But she she looked her best. She did the best she could looked her best. But she said, I got to get to the church. And you know what happened? She walked into the building and many people laughed at her. Many people scolded her. Some of the mothers that they say at the church came immediately to give her a prayer cloth. To cover herself. Here let me give you my jacket. Cover you. You doing all of this. And she barely sat down yet. How about we serve like Jesus. And just let her come as she is. Let him come as he is. There may be a brother out there. That's only got on. A t-shirt and some ball shorts. That only got on. The same outfit. He might have been just slinging drugs with. He might still smell like weed when he come in the church. If that's or he might still smell like or look like what he has been in the streets when he come and encounter with you. But we got to get out of our comfort zones, out of the religious construct of the traditional that it has been of a relationship that's been with the church thus far. And we got to get over that. And get a kingdom revelation that Jesus didn't care how dirty somebody was. How filthy somebody was, how corrupt somebody was, how people looked at somebody, how he didn't care about none of that. He said, I am not here for those who think they are healthy. I am here for those who know they are sick and in need of a savior. There are many lost sheep out there. Even many of us that feel like we are found. I talked before on a revival of of. Hope for the lost and found. There are many of us who are found just like Chuck Smith was. But you need to come to a revelation of God's real kingdom and divorce your relationship with the church. If you go watch the rest of that movie, you see that happens in Chuck Smith's life where he eventually pushes back towards the religious systems that said, no, our relationship with the church is like this. And he said, I'm sorry, I got a kingdom revelation that God's doing something new. 
And he had to push back and take a stand. Stand for something or fall for anything. But he had to take a stand and say, I think God wants to do something new. And do you know what happened, y'all? From Chuck Smith, and you can go Google it. He's still, um, I mean, not Chuck, Chuck Smith is not alive today. But because of Chuck Smith's ministry, you see how Greg Lowry, who was drawn to Chuck Smith's ministry because of Lonnie. You, in the movie, you see this all play out. Greg Lowry's ministry reaches billions of people worldwide. His church has over, I think, a million um, followers worldwide because of something that started with a seed before. What's not transformed becomes transferred. If we don't decide to let God transform the church as it has been, the church traditionally as usual, we will continue to transfer the wrong things to people and we will keep other people out that God wants to draw in and the people that are in will die off. And that will be the end of it. But we got to allow God to transform his church because at the end of the day, I don't care what the name is on the building. What, you know, denomination you feel like you are affiliated with is still all God's church. I'm going to give this, um, this scripture before I go of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Acts chapter two. Let me take a sip of water before I read it to you guys. I'll give you Acts chapter two. And then I'm going to give you another scripture after that. Um, Acts chapter 2, starting at the 38th verse, reads, um, I'll start the 37th, go up to the 37th. It reads uh, from New Living Translation, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Now, this is the right after, as I was saying earlier, when Peter and the rest of the disciples received the power of the Holy Spirit um, on Pentecost. And so this is them speaking in the languages or as it's um, put in certain translations of the Bible in tongues. This is them speaking the languages, the tongues of the people that were around different languages that the people were that were around were able to understand. And so this is how over 3000 people came to join the church from Peter giving this speech after he received the power of the revelation from the Holy Spirit. And so um, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord, our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to pray. I'm going to read that again. All the believers, that's about 3,000 
And normally in the Bible, uh, just a sidebar, um, as you probably picked up when I when I said the men replied, they don't normally include women and children in the count. And so when it's saying like, for example, when it says uh, Jesus fed um, 5,000 um, with five loaves and two fish, it's 5,000 plus women and children. So the 5,000 is just the men alone. It's not including how many women and children were there. And so it's that's why I'm saying even here, it's about 3,000 that joined the church that day because it's only counting the men. It's not even counting the women and children that heard Peter's sermon. And so verse 42, again, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's supper and to prayer. This is so important. And this is, again, something I've grown up seeing in the church tradition. This is something that should stay, should remain, should continue on. And we are sadly not seeing that continue on. We got to get back to fellowship. Again, as I said earlier, Jesus did not create us to be isolated. He created us to be in community. And so we got to get back to fellowship. Fellowship is not just um, seeing people in a building. Fellowship is being able to share in each other's burdens as well as sharing each other's joys and triumphs and sorrows. It's, it's really doing life with one another outside of the building. So if you going, um, you know, to a particular vacation destination, I'm going to, if you going for a picnic, I can go too. if you going bowling, invite me too. if you having dinner, invite me too. it's about fellowshipping outside of the building, doing life together. And the same way you do life together with your friends, your spouse, your family, it should be the same way with the church community. And this is another reason how we're able to look like salt and light in the earth. Because if people see you living out your faith everywhere you go, then they don't need to have, they, they shouldn't even need to ask you what you believe because it should be written all over your face. It should be shown in the way you love and the way you serve and the way you commune with people. They should be able to tell it. Sharing in meals, same thing I just said, and prayer. Part of prayer is not just about sharing with God your problems. You got to be able to hear his voice, meaning his response. But then also God likes it when we give back his word to him or his promises, basically. But you only know his promises if you read your Bible. If you don't read your Bible, you don't know God's promises for your life. So therefore, when you're in prayer and you're facing, whether it be a challenge or a triumph, you can't even thank God or lament, meaning um, in, a, in a sorrowful prayer to God about your problem because you don't have a relation of his promise. And so we got to get the word. It's so important. Continuing on in the text, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, those that's like, well, you just said in the text that they worship together um, 
that they went together in one place. One place does not mean one particular building. Because as it said in the very next verse, um, uh, in verse 46, this was several different places. So when it's saying one place, it's a region. It's regional. That's just like when I'm um when I get to Revelations, I'm about to in one second. When we read in Revelation, the book of Revelation, the seven um letters to the different churches, this is not church buildings in the way we see it today. These are regions, these are cities of people that were believers in that particular area. And so when it's writing a letter to the church in that particular area, it's saying it, that whole area can be about 5,000 believers, 10,000 believers. I mean, think about if you were to toll or excuse me, not toll. If you were to poll how many believers um, say they believe in Jesus Christ in one city and you tallied up that number, then it would be that same way. Like, okay, we're going to write a letter to the believers. So if you were to say about 50,000 people are Christians in that one region, in that one city, in that one state. Okay. They, then the, then God is going to write a, tr a letter in a sense in Revelation to the church that the 50,000 people in that area. And they're meant to pass the word around of what was written or what was said to God. And so when it's saying in this particular text in Acts chapter 2 that they met in one place, it's meaning that they met in the community that they were in. They met in the region, the area that they were in. But we're not meant to just be um, in, in one building. As it went on in the, in verse 46, you might meet at this building, but then you might branch out and go to this home in that area and that area and that area. But this is how you build community. And so last before I go, Revelation three. Starting at the 14th verse. And I'm reading from the living translation and it reads the message to the church in Laodicea. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. This is Jesus Christ writing this letter to the church, like I was just saying before. He says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me. So you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes. so You'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Make a decision today whether you are going to be hot or cold, whether you're going to be all in for Jesus or you not. Are you all in for the kingdom revelation, the new thing that God is doing? Or do you still want to hold on to the old church relationship that you've been having thus far? Because you can hold on to that old all day long. 
and like stale bread, it's going to eventually need to be thrown away. It's going to eventually become useless. Or you hold on to the old for so long and the old die. I mean, look at your life. I mean, looking at the totality of your life. How many people have you known growing up since you were a baby that were older than you and now are deceased? The old will die. And this is why God says, I'm doing a new thing. You got to see it. And you got to receive it. But the choice is yours. Like he's saying in this letter, you cannot receive it. And I'm going to spit you out my mouth. Because you can think all day long that you don't need the new. You don't need um, the new revelation. You don't need things to change. You don't you know, need friendships and, and church community. You, you don't need this relationship with God. You don't need prayer. You don't need fasting. You don't need um, to read your Bible. You don't need to commune with God. And, and meditate on his word day and night. You could sit here and say all the things that you don't need. And God says, I'm about to spit you out my mouth. Because you swear that you don't need all this. And you don't even realize that you are wretched. You are miserable. You are poor. You are blind. You are naked. This is not just about physical stuff, y'all. This is about spiritual. You are spiritually miserable. You need things to make you happy. You don't even have any joy. You have no peace. You can't go to sleep without taking some medication or drinking some bottle of wine or doing some, something, something sinful that God says, mm, if you would have just trusted in me, leaned on me, received the new from me, bought your gold from me. The gold is the treasure of heaven. Bought the treasure from me, meaning not go and giving God a dollar amount and buying it. No, it means that you spent time investing time with the father. That That's how you buy from God it's an investment of a relationship with him so that he can give you kingdom revelation and that kingdom revelation it's better than gold and he says I will give you new garments of praise I will purify your heart I will change and transform you by renewing your mind but it's all up to you to realize where you are because as I said earlier what's not transformed will become transferred the broken systems of the past generations, we are now seeing being broken apart, stripped away, shaken, stirred, still trying to hold on to existence like the old today. And God says, I'm doing a new thing. You got to see it. I'm trying to transform the church. We can't go backwards. We can only go forward. And don't knock the new that God's doing because it's not what you're used to. Change may be difficult. Change may be uncomfortable. But you got to understand that change is necessary in order to get to the new fruit. Because there are new generations that's coming up that the old is not going to stand with them. They're not trying to listen to Mahalia Jackson. No shade to Mahalia Jackson. She was a great um, musician. But they're not trying to listen to that. That's why they've been leaning toward a tantalized, with tantalizing ears to the things of this world that Satan is drawing them into of, of the, the music and the, and the shows and, and, and all that and the way they dress and all that of this world. But God says, if they come to me, if you realize how naked, 
poor, blind, wretched, miserable you actually are. I will give you everything you can ever need, want, and desire. But it, uh, it takes us doing the work. Faith without works is dead. And so if you want to see kingdom revelation in your life, if you are ready to divorce your church relationship with tradition, God says, great, you're in the right standing, but it's going to take work. It's not going to come easy because change is never easy, but it's worth it and it's necessary. So I know today went a bit long, but I believe this message was so important because God is saying, I want kingdom ambassadors. I want people who are really going to serve me and serve me wholeheartedly that are really going to look like the image of my church that are willing to be a unified body. But in order to be a unified body, we got to all be in sync. And that takes work. It takes effort. And it takes diligent discipline on your part to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord of God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give his shalom, give his peace. Take care. Bye now.